Through Their Mother's Eyes is a series of conversations with mothers who share their hearts and experiences raising black sons who, because of the color of their skin, are often feared, hated, and not valued as human beings. Hi, listeners. Welcome to part two of our conversation with Florence. Here, Florence goes more into depth about being a single mother and raising her two black sons. Enjoy. Even, okay, so coming to that, coming to the, the Florence that is today, you're the mother of two black sons. Tell me about that. How old are they? Um, what grades are they in? Tell me. Okay, great. So they are 18 and 14. The 18-year-old is... He just graduated from high school and he's going to be going to college such as it will be in the, in the fall. He'll be playing football in college. And amazing, Florence. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. I, I wasn't sure we were going to get to this point. So <laughs> the younger one's 14 and he is going into high school. He's going to be starting high school and he also plays football. So I'm not sure what else in terms of that's who my children are. Okay. So you have your two sons. Are you raising them on your own? Are you co-parenting? I am raising them on my own. I was co-parenting them until about, what is this? 2020. So Mm -hmm. until about eight eight or nine years ago, I was co-parenting them and then their father and I got a divorce. So I have been raising them on my own since then. Okay. All right. That's hard. You're a superhero already. (laughs) (laughs) Even without everything else. But as you know, that we're going to continue to speak to to moms. Um, I wanted to ask you some of the questions that we're going to ask the other moms and just, you know, let me know how, what your thoughts are on it. Um, first thing that I wanted to ask you is if you can, this is straight to the point. If you could use only one word to describe how the current situation surrounding the racial injustice has affected you, what would it be? Exhausted. It has exhausted me. And I, I will say I have to, I have to qualify that by saying that it has it, and I know that a lot of people are tired. A lot of people are tired of these quote uncomfortable conversations. These, you know, that we're all being encouraged to have. From my vantage point, it is exhausting because I, when I was little, when I was a little girl, I knew that I did not want to have sons, and it's not because I don't like boys, not because I didn't want sons, but because I knew that their experience in this world was going to be a challenge just from the beginning. I think at the time, or at at some point when I was growing up, there was a statistic that black males at birth have a 50% survival rate, uh, a chance to, to attain the age of, I think it's 18 or something like that. So and, and again, this was an old statistic and, and, I, and I looked at that when I was younger, but I just knew that it was just, you know, God put that on my heart that 
if I had black sons, they were going to be trying to explain this. So I didn't want that because I didn't want my children to look like every single wanted, you know, ad or wanted whatever, uh, every single bolo that's out there, um, APB or whatever that the police puts out, every single, every single accusation that somebody makes. I did not want my child to look like that because at the time they were vague enough. It was, well, you know, he's around 5'10", 5'11", black, which is, you know, what my children would, would most likely look like. So I didn't want that. I, I realize now that that was God placing on my, placing that burden on my heart because he knew that I was going to have nothing but sons and that they were going to be nothing but black sons. And so in raising them for the past 18 years, I've, I started having those conversations with my kids about, you know, we would leave to go take a road trip and I would sit with the boys in the driveway in the car and I would say, okay, if mommy gets pulled over, here's how you need to, here's what you need to do. Don't make any sudden movements. Make sure that your hands are always visible. If, you know, even if somebody says something that you don't like, you need to just be calm and not just not do anything sudden. I, 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 I try to raise them not living in fear of the police or of people who don't like them for whatever reason, but I had to, I had to spend a good deal of time working with them on that and letting them know this is a reality. This is out there. Don't be afraid of it. You need to be aware of it and you need to be prepared for it. And so when I say that I'm exhausted, it's because I have been living with this most of my life in terms of awareness. And for 18 years since my first child was born. And so all of these things that people are suddenly becoming aware of and getting woke to, as they say, those are things I didn't have to get woke to them. And reality. they were my reality. And I was aware of these things for, right. for all of this time. So it has taken me a long time. So since all of this started really during the pandemic and, and everything started with, with Ahmaud Arbery and then the conversations about Brianna and George and the, and, and all of the conversations and the back and forth and, and some honestly hateful things that I have seen on every side of the coin. I mean, this isn't just, oh, these people because they're racist or these, I mean, even the people who are quote unquote woke and the, the, the hateful things they are saying to other people. As I was seeing all of these things, I, I realized that as a writer, I had not been able to write anything about it it just wasn't happening for me. And and writing is how I process things. Writing is how I handle things. Writing is how I express myself, how I deal with life. And I have not been able to write anything about it. And that's when we started talking about doing, doing these, these interviews with not just me, but with moms of black sons, because we will never know. I know personally, that I will never know what it is like to be 
a black man. I will never know what it's like to be a man, but I do know what it is like to be a black woman, a black person. And I do know what it is like to be the mother of black sons. And I know the challenges, the, I know the conversations I have with God every single time. My 18 year old takes my car and takes his brother to work out, or he goes to work out, or he goes to, to, you know, to see a friend. I know the conversations I have with God every time. And I know the conversations that I have with my sons. And I know how exhausted they must be from hearing that from me. But I don't know that I will ever, I, I can't envision ever being able to stop. So again, it's not a question of freaking out and being fearful and people will say, well, you know, pray about it. I am in prayer about it, but I also realize that people's hearts need to change. Mm -hmm. And because it's a heart thing, while God, through him, all things are possible. But if people are doing this through their flesh, if they have these preconceived notions or if they have this hatred or if they have this fear, because a lot of it is based in fear, they can't beat that on their own. Nobody can. So I, when people say, you know, well, people need to pray. In other words, it's, well, you know, stop talking about it. Just pray about it. Or don't worry about it. Just pray about it. Or your kids are fine because you're raising them a certain way or because they go to church or because they don't talk like that or whatever. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't. So we were, you were already discussing that before. So the next question that we would ask every mom um, on here is before you became the mom of a black son, how, where were you of the plight of a black males in today's world? And you were very much aware, right? (laughs) I, I was. And also having a, having a brother growing up and going to, we were raised Catholic and we would sit in the in, in the church and we were raised Catholic in predominantly white neighborhoods and the churches were one, you know, pretty much 100% white, except for, except for the five of us and seeing how people would, I mean, they would look at my brother, like they were waiting for something to pop off. Seriously. They would, and part of it was, it was kids and there was this, you know, I guess, curiosity and this interest and whatever. And, but after a while, it's, it, it, it becomes annoying to be the, you know, the, the sideshow or whatever. So people, you know, they would stare at my brother and then my brother would, he got to the point where he would, (laughs) he would stare out and he would stare back, like no facial expression, nothing. He would just stare back at the person he was staring at him, which of course <laughs> for some people it would scare them more. And <laughs> I just remember seeing that and it was, ugh. so anyway, yes, I was, I was aware of all of that stuff. Well then, so knowing what you know now, Florence, if you could give your younger self some advice about raising black sons, what do you think that would be? Hmm. If I could give myself advice, it would be a couple of things. The first thing is stay as aware as you are, as you are becoming. And I would also tell myself, I would let myself know 
that there is no, it's hard. So when you grow up a black person in predominantly white neighborhoods in America or back when I was growing up and, and I think still now, right? You, not only are the people around you lulled into this sense of security because they're like, yeah, she doesn't look like us, but she's like it. So she's almost, you know, it's almost, uh, I don't even know how to say it without making it sound offensive, but you know, we're almost good. She's almost one of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and again, this is not about people being good people, bad people, being racist, being evil, being whatever. This is about humans being human. We are drawn to people who look, who are, who have the same experiences like us. We're, we're drawn to that. We will reach out a hand and help out people who look like quote unquote family. Mm -hmm. So that is not, so this is not an indictment against anybody, anyone I grew up with who, who had good intentions, right? But I would say that that also led to me and to a lot of people like me, I believe, being lulled into this false sense of security that I speak a certain way, I act a certain way, I grew up a certain way, I sound educated, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not your, I'm not your stereotypical angry black woman when I speak. I don't get that face in my voice. I don't do the neck. I don't do that stuff. And so I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to be the victim of racism or, or, or prejudice or anything like that because somehow of something that I'm, I'm doing. I would tell myself that the implication there is that other people who are victims have somehow done something to deserve it hmm. or that the people who are perpetrating this are somehow justified in doing it, which is not at all what I was thinking or what I believed, but I realized that that is that, that thought process is all, it's all rooted in, it's all rooted in the same thing, which is something that I've heard from people at my own church Again, not an indictment against love my church, uh, but that my kids should be okay because they don't dress like that. They don't dress with their pants sagging, which by the way, the majority of young people these days, because that's what the, the style is, have saggy pants. So, but I was told it's okay because you're, you know, you're teaching them a certain way. They speak a certain way. They don't dress a certain way, et cetera. I have also heard that, and again, from people who cared about me as an individual and said they cared about my children, I have heard things like, well, there wouldn't really be an issue with racism if they would stop talking that way. And wow. one, one thing that I realized when I was younger and flabbergasts me even more now as an adult is that they are me and you're talking to me face to face. You're not even on the phone with me. So you can't say, oh my gosh, I thought you were a blonde white woman. No, you're talking to me face to face. You can see me and you are saying, if they didn't talk that way, 
the implication there is that if something were to happen to one of my children, it would have been because of something he did, not because somebody saw him and in that split second became afraid of his skin color, of what he might do, of his height, of you know how deep his voice is or whatever it is. So that's the second thing I would tell myself is that there, there are no, there's no, there's no immunity. And the idea that there should even be immunity is wrong. So Florence, we're hearing a lot about racial inequality, social injustice, systematic racism, the attack of black, black men, you name it. If you were in an elevator with someone who didn't know what to do or say, or someone who wanted to be more aware, what would you say? It's so funny that you're asking me that question that I wrote and I'm like, I don't know, what would I say? (laughs) So what I would say is because an elevator ride is what, 30 seconds or something? Right. So I would just say, you know what, just examine your own heart, examine your own heart and don't be afraid to have tough conversations within yourself. Mm-hmm. If you identify anything that you think, oh my gosh, that was, you know, that's terrible that I thought that, give yourself some grace and mm-hmm. do better. Now that you know better, do better. In 30 seconds, that's pretty much what I would say. That's pretty good. And <laughs> just, it's really, um, Man, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm coming at a loss of words, but it's very practical. It's very practical because everyone can do that. Everyone yep. can examine themselves. Yep. So, yeah. So we're going to get into a little bit of a more intense part of the, <laughs> the interview. More intense? Yes, because I'm just, I'm dying to know your reactions for some of these. Okay, okay. so you ready? All right. Um, so this is what we're going to do. This is a speed round. We've all heard some statements in response to the conversation going on these days. I'm going to share some of the comments that I've read over, heard over time, which is what <laughs> some of the comments that you've heard over time. But after I share, after I read them to you, I want to know the first thing that pops into your head. Are you ready? Yes, PG version or? You know, you can go PG 13. <laughs> We're talking moms here. Okay, you ready? Yes. All lives matter. Not saying that all lives don't matter, saying that Black lives matter too. And since they haven't mattered up to this point, just going to stick with Black lives matter for now. Okie dokie. That's, that's pretty good. All right. So now just like, just your gut reaction. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Okay. All right. Let's, let's just see. Let's try. Let's try. Do your best. All right. Mind you, it's not me who's saying this. I'm just, (laughs) I'm reading (laughs) more, more black babies die in an abortion clinic than at the hands of the police. If you cannot show me that you care about all black lives, then don't talk to me about the unborn. Just don't. Mm -hmm. All right. Slavery ended more than 150 years ago. The civil rights movement was just decades ago. Why can't you just move on? Because slavery didn't really end 
more than 150 years ago for a lot of people the what this country was built on the backs of black slaves does not benefit a lot of their descendants at all hmm. i in the coming in the coming interviews i have so much to say with that <laughs> Just because I've learned so much um, over the past few years, but yes, I completely agree. Most people admit that slavery was wrong, but it can be an excuse forever. I mean, look at how you and others like you have achieved success. <sighs> so I and others like me have achieved success in large part because of education and a lot of people who look like me don't have access to the same level of education. That's just, that's just one quick, one quick, one quick thing that, that is not equal. So yeah, there are a lot of others, but you asked me to respond quickly. So I did. All right. Well, here's another one. Okay. So, so many people are suffering for so many reasons. Let's not forget that. Absolutely. You're right. A lot of people are suffering. We live in a fallen world and life is hard all the way around. Black lives matter. Yeah. And again, for anyone who's going through anything, um, if you're not black, you're not, um, whatever hardship that you're going through, it's not because of the color of your skin. Whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's not because of, of, of your ethnicity. It's because of a hardship. That's something that's always been placed. So. Yeah. Or, or it's because of life. I mean, everybody, yeah. everybody, you know, people get sick, people grow old, people get hurt, all that kind of stuff. And we all have that in common. Let's mm -hmm. have the other thing in common where the color of our skin does not have negative consequences for us in this country. Exactly. Racism wouldn't be an issue if Black people would stop bringing it up. You're keeping it alive by dwelling on it. <laughs> That's my reaction. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. Uh, racism, you're just keeping it alive by, yeah, I, no, really. you know, it's interesting. I don't, I don't have an answer for that other than that's such bullshit, mm -hmm. um, which is not very eloquent of me and it's not really helpful, but I'm giving myself permission to not be helpful mm -hmm. in this moment. Okay. Again, we're talking to mothers, not, not the children. So that's a, okay. So my response is that's bullshit. Exactly. There we go. All right. Here's the next one. Your kids are fine. You're raising them right. They don't dress like thugs. They're so articulate. They're in private school. Yeah. So my only response to that is somebody who is afraid of them or hates them because of their color of their skin and their gender in that skin color doesn't care about any of that other stuff. Hmm. Yep. And, and now that I have two black sons who have what we in the family call protective hairstyles. So one of them is trying to get his hair to lock so that he can have locks. The other one is getting his hair twisted. 
now that I have that, I'm, and, and my hair is, is natural. Mm-hmm. I have this newfound desire to not allow the ways that I assimilate, right? Mm-hmm. The ways that I assimilate into the predominant culture in this country, which is the white Anglo-Saxon, whatever. I, that is not a reason for somebody to be okay with me. Mm-hmm. The way I speak, the way I dress, the way I carry myself, whether I get my hair relaxed or not, whether my kids have dreads or they have the short, you'll find a lot of people with the short cropped hair because that is neat. That is, you know, but where is that neat? Is that neat where the the descendants of, of African slaves came from, mm-hmm. where their ancestors came from? Is is it neat there or do people in this, this home that we no longer have because people put us on boats? And I say us because being of Caribbean descent, my ancestors, the ones who were black, were just slaves somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I that, that comment is even more, and I'm going to say offensive. You, you, you know me and you don't ever really hear me saying offensive because people take offense to everything and it's stupid. But that is offensive because somehow being more like you makes my children okay. And that's not right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, okay. I don't even want to get into this next one. <laughs> okay. Really? When have you or your kids experienced racism? Uh, uh, you know, it's funny. Just what we just talked about. So mm-hmm. racism is when somebody of a certain race considers his or her race superior to another, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that things that are quote unquote white the way the way I the way I articulate has been described as talking white by white people, black people, Latino, everybody. Mm-hmm. You talk white. Mm-hmm. Um, you sound you know you sound white. You sound like a white girl. That the fact that that makes people feel more comfortable with me than if I spoke black vernacular English. That's racism because their belief is that being like being a a way that is attributed to their race Mm -hmm. is better than being a way that is attributed to my race. And so right there, that is a, because the fact that the people, people ask that question because they see how I speak, they see certain things where I went to school, et cetera. And so to them, there's no reason for anybody to be racist against you. Mm. Okay. All right. Two more. And then that's it. <laughs> we'll take off this band-aid for, for all, once okay. and for all. Two more. That's a lot. Okay, go ahead. I know. I know. I know that. And this was supposed to be like your reaction, your gut reaction. Um, all right. So maybe if they weren't breaking the law, this would not be happening. Oh, shut up. Most of those people were not breaking the law when they were murdered. So move on. Mm-hmm. Next. I don't see color. 
Yeah. So unless you are blind, you see color. So that's bullshit too. That's all she wrote. <laughs> Florence, I am so happy that people, I mean, this is just the beginning. This is just your interview, but I'm sure when we talk through other moms and you guys talk about both of your experiences, um, we're going to get to know more about your story because this is just scratching the surface. And I'm, I'm just so excited to hear everyone else's stories. I am too. Thank you so much, Carla. Yeah. And I want to publicly tell you, I love you. Oh, I love you too. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you either learned something or you felt like you could relate to something that we talked about today. We look forward to talking with more moms of Black Sons to hear their stories and hopefully to just allow them to share their hearts and to, to help others who can relate or others who can't relate. We're hoping Absolutely. to open some hearts out there. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. Absolutely. And I was going to say that if you wanted to contact us or if you wanted to know a little bit more about us, just look at the show notes down below. Our socials will be there and um, even the email address if you wanted to uh, put in some questions for us. Yes. Thank you very much. Thanks for the housekeeping, Carla. Thanks. My pleasure. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for Through Their Mother's Eyes, Real Talk with Moms of Black Sons. We'll be back next week with another great conversation. In the meantime, don't forget to like and follow us and join the conversation on Facebook or Instagram.